Grace and peace to you, beloved. My name is Amy Wilson-Feltz, and I am the pastor here at Morningstar, and I'm glad to be with you all in person and online in this Independence Day weekend. This is the time in our service when we go to God in prayer, and we want to remember things that are going on in our community. We are mindful of people who are recovering from surgery. We are mindful of people who are dealing with recent cancer diagnoses. We celebrate with people who have been enjoying their vacation and time away, time with family and friends. If you are not receiving our weekly prayer email, please let one of the staff members know so that we can include you in that, so that you can be praying with our community throughout the week. We certainly remain mindful of things that are going on in our world as well. So with that in mind, I invite you to take a deep breath. And let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of this day, just hours before the sun rises on Independence Day. Oh, how we long to celebrate and with good reason Many of us will observe our patriotic traditions even as we wonder what will become of this nation. It seems that every major decision only increases the division between blue and red, left and right, black and white. What brings life to some means death for others. What feels like security to some feels like alienation to others. What is embraced as protection by some poses violence to others. Somewhere along the path of good intentions, our heartfelt desire to be faithful to you has become all tangled up in the stars and the stripes until we're gasping for breath. Forgive us. Forgive us for confusing the independence that comes with the birth of a nation with unlimited individualistic freedom. Remind us, remind us once again that what you require of your people is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. Transform us, transform us into people who live first and foremost with love and grace, especially toward people who are treated as less than human. Even acknowledging this reality that not all humans are treated as equals with equitable opportunities for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness 246 years after the Declaration of Independence was signed is unbelievable, unacceptable, untenable. Truly, this day and age feels dark and stormy, more tumultuous than some of us have ever experienced. Every dawn brings bad news, worse than the last. So many of us no longer feel safe and wonder if any of us ever really were. In the pit of despair of these overwhelming moments, we hold fast to the hope of the light. We remember that our identity lies not in our nationality, but in our humanity. In your creating us in your image and claiming us to be your children. We offer ourselves not merely to walk in the light, but to be the light, to shine in the world in ways that point others to you, to the teachings of Jesus, to the life-giving breath of your spirit, because we do trust in you. We trust that you are at work, 
Our holy text tells us over and over again that you have an excellent track record of making a way precisely when and where there seems to be no way. It sure does feel like that time is now, God, and that place is here. Perhaps the way is us. Not any one of us alone and not someone else and not those people over there, but us. We, the people of God, walking in the ways of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, reminding each other that when the needs of all people are met, ours will be too. May it be so, dear Jesus, may it be so. On July 4th, as much as on any day. We pray these things in the name of Jesus as we continue to pray as he taught his disciples. Our God in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Matthew 5, 21-26. You're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother, idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell, stupid, and sister, and you're on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship, about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge your friend has against you. Abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. Or say you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute, make the first move. Make things right with him. After all, if you leave the first move to him, knowing his track record, you're likely to end up in court, maybe even jail. If that happens, you won't get out without a stiff fine. Morning, thank you, Sarah. Let's have the kids back up front. Let's come on up front, guys. Girls, wanna, you know, we're going to do some fun stuff. I promise it's cool. This guy's got it. He's like, I know what to do. I know where to go. I know this.
talk about, let's talk about getting angry. That may be a weird thing to talk about in church, but hey, have, have you ever been angry at anybody? Have you ever gotten angry at somebody? Maybe, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, possibly. Maybe, maybe once you got mad at your mom, did you ever get mad at your mom? I said, I've done that. Did you ever get mad maybe at your brother or your sister? Yeah, I've done that, I've done that. What, can you tell me something that made you angry once? Oh, and I see you ready to tell me. forgiveness, right? Because it's important to ask. We can't just assume people are going to say, it's okay, you know, hey, no, no, we got, sometimes we have to say, will you forgive me? Can you forgive me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said a mean thing. And then maybe you can give them a big hug. What do you think? Is that a good way to do it? Yeah, I agree. Yes. Not my strong suit. 
one's daily life. Faith and ethics are two sides of the same coin as far as the author of Matthew is concerned. This passage is part of the very famous Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the Gospel's first and longest collection of Jesus' teachings, and it plays a fundamental role. These teachings called on people to do more than follow the rules or keep the law, but to be the light of God, to live each day with God's grace and mercy. Because their faith in Jesus must be lived out in their behavior. And this particular section of Matthew chapter 5 is part of the six antitheses love that word. An antithesis is a statement of contrast. Antitheses are used to highlight the differences between one statement and the other. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Who said that? Neil Armstrong, right? When he landed on the moon, that was the first thing he said. And you're contrasting one small step with one giant leap. Probably the most famous example. Now in these antitheses that we have here in Matthew, Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you, Matthew wants us to see Jesus' interpretation of God's will in a way that clearly contrasts it 
with previous understandings. These are not simply reinterpretations of the Torah. These are additions. Jesus has the authority to interpret not just the Torah, but to interpret God's will directly. You see the difference? It's not only what the Torah says that is important, but also what's behind it. God's purpose for his people. And Jesus knows what that is, and he has the authority to teach it because he is the Christ. And that's what Matthew wants us to know. Switching translations for a moment, our text begins with this. You have heard it said, um, am I messing that up, Diane? No? You have heard, it's all right, we don't, not important. You've heard that it was said to those who lived long ago, don't commit murder, and all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. That's the original commandment. Do not commit murder. Don't murder people. We know this one, right? We know it well. And at no point does Jesus say that the original commandment, you shall not murder, is outdated. Not at all. As a matter of fact, just before this happens, in verse 17, Jesus has told the crowd, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. Another way of saying that is to complete. He is not tossing aside generations of Jewish tradition. He's completing it. And he's calling his followers to refocus their attention on the core principles of God's will for them. Taking it to the next level, you might say. When what Jesus says next is, but I say to you, so we've got the, you have heard it said, now, but I say to you, that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. Now we know that above all else, God is love. And God wants us to love one another. So here Jesus is taking us a step back from the most extreme case, murder, to the underlying desire of God that we do no harm to each other. And anger is so often harmful that Jesus is calling it out specifically. But as we learn with the kids, we do get angry. It happens. It happens to all of us. We all get angry. And Jesus knows this. So that's why he tells us what to do when it happens. So that the harm is lessened. He tells us. Repent, ask for forgiveness, reconcile if you can, 
make things right. <coughs> he says it more than once in this passage. Make things right. writing this message. When you saw or heard the key word for today, forgive, you may have assumed that this message would be about forgiving, forgiving someone who has hurt you. And that's really important. Sermons about forgiveness in my experiences are usually about that. When I'm angry at someone, I need to find a way to let go of that anger and forgive the person who made me angry so that I can move on. Jesus talks about forgiving others a lot. It's in the very next chapter of Matthew. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The importance of forgiving others is in all of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is in Paul. He writes about it. It is a foundational principle of our faith. It's just that important. But today's scripture is a little different. Because in this passage, Jesus is talking about asking for forgiveness. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, first be reconciled to your brother or sister. I don't think we should set this aside. I don't think we should brush past it and move on to what we consider the harder, more complicated stuff. I think we should take this passage as an opportunity an opportunity to be reminded, oh, right, there are two sides to forgiveness. And sometimes I'm on this side. Sometimes I need to be the one to ask for forgiveness. That's what I was trying to talk to kids about. When we have wronged someone, acted in anger, hurled hurtful, hurtful words, or worse, we need to ask for forgiveness. Anger is harmful. And here's what Jesus most certainly knew. Anger is what nurtures hate. It seems like an obvious lesson, perhaps. If you have acted out in anger, apologize for those actions. But it's here, in this set of teachings, for a reason. It's here in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most widely quoted elements of the Gospels. It is here between the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor, and the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. It's here in the teachings of Jesus that are generally considered to contain 
the central principles of Christian discipleship. So we probably shouldn't overlook them. We can allow ourselves to be reminded that when anger gets a hold of us and we lash out, we must take responsibility for that. We can be reminded that we are not to be too proud, too stubborn, too embarrassed, or too self-important to ask for forgiveness. We can be reminded that we are to act promptly, swiftly, in trying to make things right. Why this lesson? The idea of accepting responsibility for harming others in anger was not new. It goes all the way back to Genesis. But this was a new emphasis. Jesus did not stress ritual obligations in his teachings. He was much more focused on relationships. This is a lesson in being the light, in shining God's grace and mercy through our daily lives and actions. We know that we are called to forgive, and that is important. But today, let's be reminded that we are also called to seek forgiveness. We're not to get lazy about it and just expect forgiveness to be handed out freely. We are called to go and make things right. Through our actions, we reflect the love that God has and wants for all his people. Seek the reconciliation. Ask for the forgiveness. I'll close this message with this beautiful, simple, powerful verse from Micah that Gracie is going to bring up on the screen for me. <laughs> he has told you, oh mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Amen. Amen.